0: I don't know, it's weird being here. Uh, in a good way. This is home. Um, you know, my wife and I aren't originally from Rhode Island. We're from upstate New York. I'm from Pittsburgh. Uh, and we came here in 1999. And one of the first places we got to know really was Faith Christian Center. You know, when I see John and Anita, it's not like seeing a pastor. It's, it's family. I, I see uh, the Sullivans. That's as far as I can see. I'm getting old, by the way, and there's bright lights So Don't be offended if I don't call your name. I can only see these four people. That's it. <laughs> the rest of you, you're on your own. Um, but, you know, our kids went to FC, They went to Seacon Christian Academy together. Uh, if you knew Link and Terry Massa, Link was like a father to me. Um, since the very beginning of the mission, almost since our inception... Uh, FCC was there. FCC did huge food drives for the mission. FCC has financially supported the mission. You're one of the top supporting churches at the mission, and you're not even from Rhode Island, which is good from God, you know. But Rhode Island kind of bleeds out into the Sea Seekonk area, so I guess we're still Rhode Islanders. I don't know, but you know. So when John called me and said, "Would you uh, like to come and..." and, and And share, it was just a privilege. I I have trouble not crying, you know, because it's such a joyful place to me. Uh, I know all the tough times. I was here for the tough times. I was very involved in a lot of the tough times. And and I want you to understand something. And this is just my personal opinion. And I, you know, I'm getting old. You know, the funny thing: the older you get, the less you care what anybody thinks about you. No, it's true. When you're young, you want to be approved, you get old, you're like, yeah. <laughs> whatever. But, but I, I want to tell you, I know the hard times, probably in a lot of ways more than some of you know the hard times that this church has been through. And, and I will tell you, John and Anita, and this is unsolicited, but I don't think there's very many people that could have stepped in and carried God's used to carry and keep this church growing and, 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 and prospering and that needs to be said. Uh, I will collect my finder's fee afterwards, John. But so, it's a privilege, it's an honor uh, to be here. Uh, you, you know, um, after the video I could probably just leave, I'm good, you know, but I'm supposed to give a message so I guess I should do that. <clears throat> but, you know, <clears throat> the biggest thing I think that the connection, the biggest connection to uh, others, oh, I left my water right there. I'm sorry. Perfect. See, that's what I'm talking about here. Safe social distancing, by golly. It's a lot of pressure. See, you almost need like a tape measure, six foot. OK, we're good. Do you, do you do an elbow? Do you do a pretend high five? I don't know anymore. It's so confusing, you, can, you know, you can go to the store, but you can't go to the, I don't know, I don't know. I'll just do whatever God says, right? I really, seriously, wear the mask, who the heck cares, you know? I mean, you know, imagine places in like, like China or Uzbekistan or Iraq or Iran or Turkey or Armenia, and you want to be a Christian, right? And, and I hear us like complain, I got to put a mask on. You imagine that people would like had their houses burnt to the ground because they were a Christian. You imagine somebody like that coming into a church service and hearing people gripe about wearing a mask. I am sorry, I find that funny. I don't know what to tell you. I got a weird sense of humor. Um, but anyhow, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about you know what am I gonna what am I gonna say? And it, it, it what struck me, you know, it's funny with me and God. I I had my sermon all worked out. I was ready to go. I've got my computer with pages of notes. And my wife said to me last night, are you ready? I said, yeah, you know, I I think I am. uh, I'm good. And uh, I went to bed and God said, no, I hate when he does that (laughs) because now I can't go to sleep. I'm like, what do you mean? No, no, no. You got to change this. And so fortunately, this time he made me get up and rewrite a whole sermon which would have, which has happened to me, but he imparted upon me the, the thing that I was going to preach about and you 're going to find it it 's in, in the Gospel of Luke if you have your your Bibles with you I, I mean i 'm not going to go through all of it it 's Luke ten starting in luke ten twenty five right and and, it, and at first, it was this whole idea about this really kind of like this uh, i 'll just read it real quick this is the first part As you know. It says that a certain lawyer, and, 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 and that word lawyer, we have to understand in, in, in the Bible, isn't like the heavy hitter of today, right? Or like Rabinowitz, Rabinowitz, and Rabinowitz. That's not the lawyer John's talking about. Or, or John in his former life. That's not. The, a lawyer at lawyer in, in the time of Christ was an expert in the Mosaic law. They were a person that you went to for counsel about how to live as a Jewish man. That was a lawyer in that time, so we understand that. So they were an expert in Mosaic law. And it says he stood up. So Jesus is talking. He stood up and saying to Jesus, it says um, he wanted to test him. It said stood up to test him. You know, think about that. He stood up to test Jesus. Dang, like we've never done that. And it says, saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? How do you read it? That's what I love about Jesus, too. You know, Jesus is funny even today. Like, he'll ask questions back if you listen. Right? Like, you got to be careful when you want to start talking to Jesus. You really do. If you really want to talk to Jesus, you've got to be a little careful. Because, number one, he'll answer you back. And number one, he's the perfect, you know, he's God, so he'll ask questions. That's that thing called a personal relationship. Sometimes we go to God and we forget the word personal, the two words, personal relationship. We go to God and we expect God to say, do this. A lot of times God says, why are you asking? What do you want? What do you really mean? What's really in your heart? Because a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I tend to beat around the bush a little bit with Jesus. Right? I don't want to really lay it all out. You know, like he doesn't know already. But anywho, so he says, how do you read it? And the teacher, the the lawyer replied, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. I find it interesting that that's capitalized, that whole thing's capitalized in my Bible, which tells me emphasis. You know, there's two things I see in the Bible where God's trying to get your attention. There's two things He does: capitalization and repeating. Capitalization, repeating. Anytime I've read that in the Bible and I'm really looking at my scripture, it's kind of like God saying, Excuse me. Get, excuse, do you understand here? It's important. Like in Philippians, he says, Rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4:4. 4, 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. It's almost like a father to a child. Don't, don't go out on that street. Uh, stay off the street. Right? That's that kind of that emphasis. That, so here when you see Catholic, it's, it's almost like, you know, I, I look at this as like when, when your mom would like maybe scold you. Right? She ups the tonage a little bit. And that's that idea. Not scolding, but that's that idea that we're getting from. It's like, this is important here. This is important. And remember, the, the lawyer was testing. The lawyer was testing Jesus. And this is, Jesus asks him the question, and Jesus requires him to respond to his own question. Interestingly, he says, okay, what what do you see? And he says it. And interestingly, Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Now, now my guess is at that point, that lawyer felt pretty uptight and out of sight. Like, I got it. I got it. And Jesus says this, he goes, do this habitually. Do this habitually and you will live habitually means without ceasing again and again and again and again so read that again and think about that cuz we're going to you know I have to kind of bring it into myself and I have to look at something like and I say how am I doing with that he says love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself and do it habitually habitually I'm not good at being habitual, right? It's not much. Some people are very, very methodical when they, you know, they do A and then they do B and then they do C and they'll go back and do A B C. That's not me. I'm all over the map. I'm an idea guy. You know what I'm saying? My wife is habitual. Thank God. I'd be I'd be uh, I'd be warm sweat if it wasn't for my wife. But at any rate. But then the lawyer, see, right there, do you see the opportunity? See, the lawyer came to test Jesus. Jesus gave him opportunity. The lawyer wanted to justify, because it even says right after this, it says in verse 29, it says, but he wishing to justify and vindicate himself. Now, let's not be too tough on the lawyer, because I'm guilty of it. Did you ever try to vindicate yourself in front of Jesus? I mean, it might just be me. I might be unique. The rest of y'all might got this. But me, I've tried to justify. I've tried to vindicate. I've tried to make my case almost like a lawyer. But God, you don't understand. If you really understood what I was going through, you'd understand why I felt that way about that person. You know how bad they've hurt me, God. You can only understand why I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. I mean, I could be unique. It could just be me. I don't know. Right? It says this He says to Jesus, Who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? See, he missed the opportunity. In this little scripture right here, Jesus says, Because he's saying, I know what to do. And Jesus tells him, You've answered correctly. He says, But if you do this habitually, you'll live, meaning that you'll have eternal life. Now, the question becomes, is is he saying to the man, if you do these things, then you'll have life? Or is he really saying, and this is the opportunity, if you invite me into your heart, you'll be able to do these things. Because you're really... um, Missing it. How can we do these things? How can you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor yourself on your own? If that's true, then Jesus never needed to die on the cross. Right? See what I'm saying? We, we, a lot of times I saw this scripture as discipline. Kind of like pointing out, like, look at this guy. He thinks he's all that in a box of chocolates. Jesus just puts him in his place. No, it's opportunity. It's opportunity. It's opportunity. Okay, think about that, opportunity. Then now the question becomes, because once you see the opportunity, because this guy, this guy, it, it messed with him. It messed with him. Because he couldn't answer who was his neighbor. See, you have to understand now, if, if Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself habitually, meaning without ceasing, that, that, that should mean to us that as we go about our day we love our neighbors. Not only, it's, cause I think for the Christian today, the idea of letting Jesus being full of joy of the Lord and, and say, you know, Jesus is my Savior and, 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 and praising God and, 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 and reading the Word of God and, 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 praying and, and, and those, those things that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. We're in that zone a lot, I think. I really do think I, yeah, we are. And I think we do it habitually. I think we find ourselves, especially in these difficult times, talking to God a lot more. I know I have. I know these is you know in my sixty-one years of life, I've never seen this in America before. It's a brave new world, you know, and and we're looking to God more and more. Some of us have had our families get sick. I know people that have lost three family members to COVID this year. This year, this year, they've died. So this is a brave new world. And I think when you go through these catastrophes, and that's what this is, and we call it a pandemic, we call it... Listen, we have to remember, this was manufactured in a lab in China, and it was released upon the world. And it's the weirdest virus you'll ever have, because you know how if you get the flu, right? You get the flu, you, uh, you, you, know, you might be achy, tired, and have a fever for three or four days. Uh, if, in talking with people and, and and really understanding this, COVID's the gift that keeps on giving, You'll start with a low grade fever, couple of days later you'll feel achy, couple of days later you'll feel nauseous, couple of days later you can't smell, couple of days later you can't taste. And it wears your body down. And that's what happens to people that die. They're compromised immunity. And it just wears you down and you pass away. And so we're in this difficult time where hospitals are being filled. Uh, people are scared. Toilet paper's gone again for the love of Mike. You get a couple of governors to go stay home. Everybody, goes, It's a Rhode Island thing. Take the toilet paper. Get the milk. Get the bread. I didn't think about that. You have bread, milk, and toilet paper. I don't even know if you're going to use the toilet paper. It's all you got is bread and milk. I just don't know. I don't know. Right? But so through those difficult times we find ourselves turning more to God, don't we? We we, we want to be even more intimate with God, don't we? We, we? we we want to be more devoted to our time with God, right? But but there's this little phrase here that says, Love your neighbor as yourself and do it habitually. That's where I come up short. Think about that. Because God's equating the love of your neighbor to the love of him. He really is. You you can't deny that. It's it's not about doing something for your neighbor. It's not about waving as they drive by. It's about touching people that are desperate to be touched. And the lawyer didn't understand the opportunity because his question was, and, and you have to understand the verbiage here, he wasn't asking because he wanted to know, because it said he wanted to vindicate himself. So you have to understand that. Can you imagine the attitude? Almost like that. <laughs> okay, who's my neighbor? Attitude. And then Jesus, and I'm not going to read all of this for the sake of... Uh, did, did you, John, did you say 1020 or 1040? 20. My gosh, I'm in trouble. <sighs> okay. I'm going to skip about 15 verses. I'm joking. <laughs> But he goes on, what he does do is he goes on, Jesus then goes on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan in the Bible. And I'm going to paraphrase some of it, but you can read it for yourself. So we know... Jesus tells the story because he's answering. Now, the guy asks a question. Jesus answers questions. That's how Jesus is. Jesus loves to tell you stuff. He, he's not afraid to let you know the truth, you know, because he loves us. And so he says, okay, want to know your neighbor Here's your neighbor. He goes, I'm going to give you a story. He says, this, this guy, and he's going on a trip. And he's down on the highways. And now we already know the highways are dangerous because if you read later on the scriptures when the king is having a feast and nobody wants to come, he says to his servants, uh, go out into the neighborhoods and bring the lame, the the blind in, brings them in there, says there's still room. He says, go to the highways and the hedges to bring people in. Highways were a bad place. It wasn't like 295 or 95 in the Bible. The word highway is bad. It's dangerous. It's desolate. It's empty. Most people that had wealth or influence traveled with armed guards when they went out from one town to the other because it's where thieves and people got killed and murdered and left for dead and other horrible things on the highway. So it says this guy, Jesus says this guy is going through, he's going on a trip, he's on the highway, he gets attacked, he gets robbed, he gets beaten, stripped naked, left for dead in the dirt. And then Jesus talks about, he talks about, how uh, one a Levite came by and went to the other side of the road. A priest came by and went to the other side of the road. Then this guy that's a Samaritan. And that's an incredibly important word, Samaritan. It's, a, it's an incredibly important word here. Because Levite is, a, is from one of the 12 tribes of Israel. It's where the high priest came from. The priesthood of the temples came from the tribe of the Levites. And then a priest, being a ranking member of the temple, went by, went out of the way. Now, these are people that love the Lord your God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind. That's why I brought these people up. Because they lived for the law. They lived to keep the law. They lived to keep the law. They lived to do what was right. And they believed that by doing what was right, that would save you. And then there was a Samaritan. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Hated them. Because the Samaritans mixed Jewish religion with other religions, and they had land that the Jewish nation wasn't really happy that they had. So they hated the Samaritans, and it was ugly and it was bloody at times through the history of Israel. You can look it up yourself. I'm not going to go through all the details. But he comes by, if you've read the scripture before, he stops... Not only does he take care of him, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to an inn, he takes him, puts oils and salves on his wounds, cares for him, feeds him, makes him comfortable, and even when he has to go, he goes, look, take care of this guy, make him heal him, make him whole, and if I owe you any money when I come back, I'll settle up with you and I'll take care of you. So you got the Levite, you got the priest, and you got the outcast Samaritan. And Jesus asks the lawyer a simple question he says in luke 10:36 he says which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man that encountered the robbers and the lawyer answered he said the one who showed compassion and mercy to him and jesus says go and constantly do the same. Now listen to that. Wouldn't it have been easier if Jesus had just go and do the same? No, no. Jesus has to use words like habitually and constantly. The problem with those two words is there is no wiggle room. There is no wiggle room. Consistently, habitually, consistently are basically you can interchange those two words. They're habitual in their actions. They're consistent in their actions. So Jesus has now separated the legalistic idea And the easy idea, the legalistic idea that if we're good people and we uh, try to keep the law, we're good with God. Or if we love God and we focus on our relationship with God and, and we pray to God and we worship God, that's all we need to do. Jesus puts this hard word in here. He says, habitually and consistently love people that are desperate, that are outcast, that are hated. That everybody else wouldn't give the time of day to. And he goes, that's where your opportunity is. So now, what's horrible for me, when I I hate reading the scripture, and and I'll tell you the truth, I hate preaching. Because every time I preach, I get more convicted than you. It's a horrible, horrible thing you can ask, John. It's not fun, it's not joyful. Okay, you walk off the altar and you're like, God dang, I am way, way undermatched here. But it's the truth, and you have to start asking yourself, you have to start looking at yourself, and you have to start saying, if you really want the opportunity, that fullness, you know, when you see things like Stephen, when he's stoned, and he sees the heavens open, and when you see Paul, who's been beaten with rods, and he's shackled inside of a prison, and he starts singing praise to God. When you see things like Peter walking on water, when you see the miracles and don't. when you read those things, when you read Fox's book of Martyrs, where men before they were led to the stake to be burnt, the last thing they saw were their wife and children. And people said, if you just renounce the Bible, you can go home. Went to the stake. It's because they understood and had experienced The miracles of Jesus Christ. And we talk a lot about miracles today. But miracles, and you can have a lot of description. And listen, here's the thing, and we see it every day at the mission. If you search your Bible, there's only three types of people that walk the faith of the earth. In America, we don't like to talk about this a lot. I have friends of mine that are on the foreign mission field. And so we, we talk about this a little more. This is kind of a taboo subject in America, in the American church. But it's the truth. There's those that are spirit-filled, and and God loved the church. There's more debate about being spirit-filled. I know I'm in a spirit-filled church here. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, The mission's kind of like the Switzerland of denominations because we have all the churches come, so I don't delve into that. What I know about being spirit-filled is you can't verbally name Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, right? You can't. It's impossible, you can't say Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior without the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. It's not possible. Amen? Amen. Now, we can go from there, okay? And, and I love being in a happy place that loves the Spirit of God like FCC, right? But I preach at other churches where they haven't sung a, a hymn past 1669. So, but they're spirit-filled because they named Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But there's two other types of people that walk the face of the earth that we don't really talk about. And those are the demonically oppressed and the demonically possessed. And demonic oppression and demonic possession is just as real today as it was at the time of Christ. As a matter of fact, when we read in the Gospels and we see in the Gospels, it talks about Jesus healing whole villages and casting out all the demons. And we don't talk about that. It's, it's kind of like a You know, glad Jesus did that back then. I guess that ended at the cross because there ain't no more demonic possession. I don't know. I don't see that in the Bible. I see an incredible amount of Jesus saying that the, the devil's, this is a season until the second coming of Christ, that the devil's alive and well and active on the face of the earth. And I think you can see by the evidence of our country and across the world today that he's more active than ever. And you sit here and you see a pandemic like this. This didn't come from God. God didn't say, well, you know, I think I'll get him sick for a while. I don't believe God puts sickness on a person. In my heart of hearts, I don't believe that. I believe that sickness comes from sin. I believe that sickness is of the devil. It is not of God. Amen. So if we have a world pandemic where they're shutting down cities and towns, and we have governors that are saying to us, you can't have your family over for Thanksgiving to keep everybody safe, because this sickness is real. Is this God or is this the devil being more active? And if the devil's being more active, here's the thing about the devil. The devil isn't smart enough to know God's plans. The devil's not that smart. The devil just knows God's doing something. The devil operates in fear. Fear. He fears Jesus Christ. He knows his day is numbered. He knows that he will bow down to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows it. He knows it, right? So he isn't. Think about this devil. Think about this demon, this, this spirit that we give Dagon way more authority than we should give in our lives. He's a defeated, fearful little snot. That's why I'm a missionary. I could never be a pastor, I'm too baseline. And I love, nothing makes me happier than to kick the devil where the sun don't shine and see the miracle of God take over lives. And that's the question. Where's your opportunity? Where's your opportunity to see that? And that's what the mission is. That's what the mission is. The mission's that opportunity. I know Dan. I had the privilege of leading Dan to Jesus Christ that day. He came in and he sat at the table in my office and, I, and, and the Spirit of God was upon us and I shared the gospel with him and he got saved and, and, and then you heard the rest of it. Being a missionary, there's all sorts of signs and wonders in the Word of God. There's all sorts of power of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Ghost that are available to us today. More so than ever before. But if you ask me if I could only pick one thing, one thing, From Jesus. One thing to empower me from Jesus, what do I want? I want to see the dead rise. That's what I want. I want to see the power of the Holy Ghost fall under the most desperate people. I want to see the prostitute. I want to see the drug addict. I want to see the person that's been beaten and abused. I want to see the person that's died multiple times and lived and don't understand why they've survived overdoses. And I want to see the power of Christ fall on them. And I want to see them confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because the truth of it is, and I say this at the mission all the time when I preach at the mission. Because they ask me, we have chapel every night. Every night, chapel. It's the way it is. If you're coming to the mission, you're going to chapel. So we do it before dinner. We don't have chapel and dinner, I tell people. We have chapel dinner. that You can't separate the two. Spiritual dinner, physical dinner. And we have some good food at the mission. We, we're feeding 7,000 people a month easily at the mission. And we get all sorts of food harvested, Capitol Grill. Actually, funny story. One of my funniest... <laughs> oh, I love being a missionary. Uh, <laughs> so, so we harvest all our food. We, we drive around and we pick up food that was being... Uh, discarded. Good food, again, in America, we're different. So like in America, bananas, right? But Americans eat bananas backwards, by the way. if, if my, my son-in-law is from Guatemala, and, and he laughs at how we eat bananas. If you ever go to the store with bananas, my, my wife will say, get some green bananas. Right, you get some, green. And, and and if I bring them bananas, so home, it's a lot of pressure for a guy like me, if, for over bananas. If I bring the bananas home and they're too yellow, I I get I get I get questions asked. I I I, I thought I said green. Well, well there's green and not, these aren't green. because well, they'll ripen during the week. In Guatemala, they would never eat that banana. They eat the yellowest banana because, just, I want to help. When the banana's at its yellowest, it has its highest sugar content and its highest flavor. They eat grand green plantains. They smash them and double fry them. But bananas, but, but Americans, you watch, you'll see on a Sunday, right before restocking on Monday, go to a store. Every daggone yellow banana's there. You can't find a green one in the bunch. It's like, it's like the drought of green bananas. Monday, they're all there. You know, so if you've got to eat a banana on Sunday, you can't even go to the store. Right? But we take all those. We harvest all those. And we, we, we take all this food. And we, one of the places we get food from is the Capitol Grill. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Capitol Grill, but it's a great steak place. Uh, incredibly expensive. I mean, just a steak's like 55 bucks, and you don't even get a potato. God forbid you want cream spinach. But they generously, generously donate to us every week. They, they give us their extra steak and mashed potatoes. And this is why I love the mission. I'm coming back to this story. So, so we do these great meals, and we serve restaurant-style. We don't do cafeteria-style. We, 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 we uh, serve restaurant-style. So we do steak and potatoes twice a week. And I actually had a homeless person come to me and complain because we were feeding too much steak. Just let that sink in. Do you think you could feed us something besides filet mignon? Yes, peanut butter and jelly is coming your way tomorrow. But, but the point is, is I say to the people at chapel when I preach, I say to them, I say, why do we have to come to chapel? And I say, it's because I love you. Because remember what Jesus said at the beginning? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love your neighbor and yourself. My question is, and I say to these people, I say, I give you, we, we provide steak from the Capitol Grill. I said, and, and if we had lobster and, and we added that and we had mac and cheese and we added that, and I said, if we didn't do chapel service and we didn't preach the gospel, I don't love you. I don't love you because I have mine. If this building blows up in a methane gas explosion right now, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with the King of Kings. I'm going to walk the streets of gold because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Somebody took the time to love me and tell me about my lost condition, my sinfulness that was going to drive me to hell. An atheist, drug addict, alcoholic, thief, adulterer. Don't let the suit fool you. Don't believe the hype. That's who I was. See what I'm saying now? And the reason why the mission's important to you, just as it is important to me, is we get the demonically oppressed. We get the demonically possessed every day because we invite them in. I've got a young lady, a powerful story, Gina. Gina, uh, we've laid hands on her. Gina, this past Easter, came into the mission with a half a sheet. Period. Nothing else. Oh, naturale. Imagine trying to do your Easter service in a stick branch about yay thick. As we were trying to get her clothes, she ate the stick. But in a moment of clarity, we never stopped loving Gina. We couldn't even let her stay because she was just so... She she was just demonically possessed and and, and she was just so... I understand the man with the legion of demons in the tombs, tombs kind of. It was how she was. But my my women's team never stopped loving her. Making sure she had clothes and underwear and menstrual pads and and, 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 and a coat to make sure she didn't die. And when she fractured her leg so badly that they were going to talking about amputating it, they got her to the hospital and they visited her and they took care of her. And she still... Was outrageous. But one day, one day, in a moment of clarity, a moment of clarity, she said to my daughter, What do I have to do to be saved? What do I have to do to be saved? And she accepted Jesus Christ into her life. Now, she has not come around all the way, but I know she's saved. Right? And this is what I tell with the mission. I so said, we could serve you the finest meal, but if we don't preach the gospel, not only do I not love you, think about this, think about this. I got six minutes, tick-tock. Do you even like somebody if you don't share the gospel? Let's just forget the word love. Think, think about it. Do you like them? Do you really care about them? I mean, do you know people... In your life that aren't saved? Maybe even family members? Can you really say you love them? If you don't offend them? The gospel's offensive. The gospel's absolutely offensive. Don't be deceived. Truthfully, if you're not offending people, you might want to check it out. That's a hard word, right? I have to live with it all the time. See, at the mission, we're offensive. Every day, everything we do. See, we don't, so we feed every day. We shelter every day. You saw the video, all the things we do. We don't do that thinking that that will let somebody see, like, it's that, you know, love love them until they, that's not what we do. We believe that everything we do has to be to preach the gospel. All that stuff is sidebar stuff. I'll tell you another quick story. I got a few of them after 30 years. Um... This past summer, a car pulls in uh, the parking lot. I just happened to walk across the parking lot, and and it's got four Muslim women in the car. And I I knew they were Muslim because they were dressed in conservative Muslim attire. And so I found that interesting. I I asked them if I could help them. And and they said, um, we, we lived together with our children, and we didn't have enough money for everything, so they shut off our power. And we finally just got our power back on. But everything in the refrigerator rotted. And we have four or five kids and we don't have any food. And they said, they said we need help. And very nicely, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, clearly you're serious about your religion. Because you're dressed. I mean, listen, God loves people that are Muslims and they're dressed. that I'd just be hot. you think it's bad wearing a mask, try wearing that all the time if you're women. But he said, obviously you're serious about your religious belief. Why did you come here? Why didn't you go to the mosque? And it wasn't being mean. It was a genuine question. Why why, Why didn't you go talk to your imam? And she looked at me. She pointed out to the street and she went like this. She goes, sir... Everybody knows, everybody knows, if you need help, you come here. Everybody knows. Praise God. And I couldn't say to her, you know, if you die today, you're going to hell. That would kind of have just kill the whole vibe, right? <laughs> but I did point to her, and I said, I pointed to our sign, if you saw it at the beginning of the movie, with the serving Christ, serving the cross, crown of thorns. I said, I think it's great that you feel comfortable enough to come into the house of Jesus Christ. And we'll be more than happy to care for you. See, that's the mission. And the thing about it is, and as I close, and I could tell you more stories. But the thing about it is, is the demonically oppressed, the demonically possessed. She was oppressed. She didn't know the Savior. They're at the mission. And you've been part of that since we started almost. And for that, I thank you. There's been many times when we couldn't pay our bills and I went and saw John. Not only did he, I didn't go just to see if he could give us some money. I'm not ashamed. I'll ask anybody for money. When you're 100% privately funded, you get over that pretty quickly. That whole, I don't want to ask, I'll ask. But John also was somebody that always came to for encouragement and a word and a prayer. It's not always about asking. I lost my thought on that. That's okay. But I will tell you, this church has been through thick and thin with the rescue mission. We're the place for you to come and get involved. I know that's scary in the pandemic, and I respect. Listen, I would never look at anybody and say, oh, pish posh, don't worry about it. Come on down. That that would be very arrogant. But you can pray for us you can support us financially, individually. If you feel comfortable volunteering, you can come down and volunteer. When this pandemic is over, and it will be over, because Jesus Christ is stronger than the devil, he's stronger than sickness. It's just a matter of when Jesus finishes the healing. Jesus heals. I, I'm speaking healing in my life, in my neighbor's life, in your life. This is nothing. Amen. When it's over, come to the mission. See firsthand. hand. Just this Thanksgiving, this Thursday, this Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to feed 3,000 families with food boxes. And it was going to be turkeys, but you all took the smaller turkeys because you're not allowed to have people over. So we ended up with chicken. I hope you're happy. (laughs) Hope you can live with yourself. Enjoy the stuffing. No, but we'll provide Thanksgiving in Bible tracts. For 3,000 families on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And you're part of that. So as I close, as I close, let me just say thank you. It's a privilege to know you. It's a privilege to have friends and brothers and sisters as dear as you. I'll be out front afterwards if you have questions. I have that video on a QR code, on a letter. If you want to show friends and family, you can take one. But no, the opportunity is there. Be blessed. Thank you. God bless you.